Yes, coming in hot with episode 35 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined in the flesh again by Jobber. How are you, mate? And how was Christmas? Oh, it's lovely, wasn't it? A lot of football to digest, a lot of food to digest as well. Um, I feel like I'm getting through the football, but I just can't get through the food. You, you look well fed. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you look very well fed. Um, so it might crack into flavour of the pod. So we've got uh, an opening question. Some weekly happenings, a fair bit going on, and then we've got a review of the games that were on Boxing Day, and then there's live action games as we speak at the moment. So we might crack in. What is the opening question? So the most 2020 thing of 2020 happened on Christmas Day this year. So Jesus tested positive for COVID-19. If that isn't a sign of the apocalypse, I don't know what is. Um, so I was sort of thinking back and I thought, this is this is a bit of a horror show here with Jesus, but what was your favourite moment of 2020 and what was your low light of 2020? Oh, it's pretty easy. I think the low light was um, obviously a lockdown for everyone. That was pretty tough and having football being taken away, that was pretty tough as well. And I think the highlight was just seeing it come back slowly and then just the, the amount of games that we're having at the moment, I think is still definitely the highlight because... You know, there's games to catch up on. Um, I know they crammed in the last bit of last season and got it done and trickling fans coming back into um, is a bit of a highlight. So I think highlight and low light, closely tied. How could they not be? Yeah, I think so. Um, so my favourite memory of 2020 was Manchester United beating Leipzig 5-0. Um, granted, it got us nowhere, but what a day. I just, it just felt unbelievable at the time. Um, and the low light was a very personal one. So I was supposed to fly to Paris with yourself to watch the Champions League, uh, Dortmund versus PSG, Mbappe versus Haaland, and then, yeah, bang, COVID struck, game over, bitches, can't even get into France. And then uh, we're like, oh, it's all right, got a backup plan here. Um, Arsenal versus Man City in Manchester, and then, bang, Arteta goes and gets himself COVID, and it was just, it just snowballed from there. Um, but that was definitely the low light, but good times now. Yes, that was a low light, and um, we've still got that Air France um, credit too. So if anyone out there needs an Air France credit, um, flick us an email. Email into the show, and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> so, look, it's been a big week for Leo Messi. So he broke Palais's goal-scoring record. <clears throat> Wrong. No, he did not. So the good people at Santos have informed us that Palais actually scored 1,091 goals, not Messi's, not Messi's pesky 644. Did you see this? So, but how did they get it so wrong? How have you got it 400 goals wrong? Uh, lost a couple of pieces of paper. <laughs> Same way Romario's ticking off goals in the park. Yeah. Um, it was just Pelé's like, oh, actually, boys, I've got this other book. Um, so record-keeping in Brazil, slightly questionable, and the fact that it's an Argentinian probably doesn't help. But Messi looks like a right mug now, doesn't he? Well, they made a big deal of it, Barca, that he scored all those goals. And then, yeah, if it's come out that they've actually miscounted by 400, um, yeah. Must be all those headers. Um, so then Thomas Tuchel got the sack. Nice little Christmas gift for Thomas Tuchel. After a 4-0 win. And he came out and said, am I still a manager or am I a politician in sport, a minister for sport? Um, Poch is heavily back. Do you like him for the role? And what did you make of Tuchel on the way out? Yeah, well, I think well, there's obviously stuff going on behind the scenes that you can't see, right? Because he doesn't come out and say those type of things where oh, I'm more of a political figure here than I am an actual football manager. So there's clearly stuff going on behind the scenes. So I like Poch for the role. I think he'll do really well. He'll have them playing good football. He's got some good players to work with there. But at the same time, if you're Poch, like, Maybe just have a quick call with um, Tuchel before you take the job to actually work out what was the problem, what was going on. Because you don't like. I think this is a critical move for Poch now. He needs to choose his um, next job very carefully. So if he chooses PSG and things go pear shaped, and, and you get the chop rather early there, which is highly likely given their their history and their expectations, um, you, you're kind of looking at Poch going, "Well, where do you go next?" Right? You got the chop from um, Spurs after going so close and not winning anything. Then if he gets a chop from PSG um, on top of, you know, sort of already having 12 months off. Yeah, I think his next job, he might have to go backwards. So, yeah, I'd just be careful if I was Poch and taking this job. What do you think? Do you like him for the job or not? I don't know. I, I sort of struggle with whether or not he's done anything Tuchel hasn't. Like Champions League final, Tuchel just, like they just dropped out of that. Mm. Bayern, like a very good Bayern side. Winning the league at PSG is just, you have to do it. Um, it's like turning up for work. 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I think it's a risk for Poch because it is like everyone says the same thing about PSG. Like it's not a very well balanced team, and Poch is really good at getting a little bit more out of players. Yeah. So potentially it could work, but yeah, I think it's dangerous. Dangerous. Uh, like the squads are very different. You look at Poch's um, Spurs squad, and there was like, like there's obviously a couple stars there, but none to the level of Mbappe and Neymar, really, right? So, like, everyone was sort of well-balanced in, in that squad. There was no sort of real superheroes there. But I think the dynamic's very different at PSG where you've got those Mbappe and Neymar sort of figureheads there and they sort of get to do what they want and everyone else will have to fall in line. So that'll be tough for him to manage as well. Yeah. So we're going to sort of roll into the review in, in this comment. So James Madison rolled out some flash new kicks for the game against Manchester United. Good news is he didn't get them dirty. So we'll start with this one. So Leicester 2, Manchester United 2. The Foxes stole a point. What would you make of this one? It's the pod derby. It is a, it is a pod derby. Um, I don't know. Did they steal a point? I feel as though that um, Leicester really dominated the ball. Um, and I think they look much more comfortable coming out of the back than um, United did as well. I think... Oli seems to be relying a lot on any type of um, like a moment from one of his players, like a special piece of work or something like that from one of his players rather than um, sort of breaking teams down with the pattern of play or style of play or any type of tactics. He seems to rely on, yeah, as I said, Bruno doing something special or, or finding a slip pass, whereas where you looked at Leicester in that game and you can clearly see the pattern of play and how they were playing out from the back and they were getting out of the back much more comfortable than um, Manchester United were. So I don't I don't know about pinching a point. I know, appreciate they were behind in, at both stages. But, yeah, I think a point was probably a fair result and, if anything, I think Leicester were, were hard done by in the amount of control they had for most of the game. I think they controlled the ball more, but then those moments where Manu looked good um, and strung some passes together just with their they you can tell their their players are much sharper and have higher quality which got them both their goals really yeah I think I think they're like one minute in and like a moment of like genius from Bruno Fernandez seeing a pass that others doesn't and Marcus Rashford should have put us up one nil like straight away and I think that that obviously changed the complexion of the game but yeah Leicester probably more comfortable with the ball probably looked better but again the quality outside of Dan James the quality in United's front three um, sort of stood out in those key moments like Bruno Fernandes. Just, I think the weird thing is I felt like he was the best player on the pitch, but he was also the most frustrating player on the pitch. Like he couldn't get into the game, but then just those little moments where he like can just turn a game on his head with a pass or just like an incisive movement. Yeah. And when Rashford sort of, again, Rashford's name can do nothing for, you know, 85 minutes and then just be really, really fast and beat a player. But he missed some chances, Rashford. He probably should have had a hat trick. There was a header early, and then there was a one a little slip pass where he was through on his right foot. Casper had a big right hand to save yeah. it, and obviously then he got his goal. So yeah, probably should have got a hat trick. Really, those three yeah. really good chances, and he took one of them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just it was a weird one to start, Dan James there. But I feel like there was an air of inevitability about this game. That like as long as United were one goal in front or even level, you're like Jamie Vardy's going to score. He's done nothing. He's been hiding. He's frustrated. And then I don't know if it ended up as an OG or whatever, but you just felt like Jamie Vardy was going to score. Yeah. I think it did go down as a as an own goal. But, yeah, Vardy pops up um, when Leicester were 2-1 down to make it 2-all. I thought, that, like, Leicester had a couple of passengers in, in this game. I thought, like, all Brighton wasn't good in terms of um, pass completion and eventually got the hook. And as you said off the top, Madison was very, very quiet. I thought um, Ndini and Tillemans um, did really well in the middle of the park and um, Justin, the right back, was uh, looking busy as well. And then over to the Man U team, like I think when they kicked off, you and I were thinking that's three at the back um, and we're trying to work out what um, McTominay was doing, whether he was playing on the right or did they have Dan James there as a wing back, but it turned out to be a four and they had Lindelof playing right back um, with Bay and Maguire in the middle. But what do you make of um, Ollie's team? Bit of a shock to see Dan James in there, or were you expecting that given the performance and the result last week? Yeah, oh, he wasn't going to change I, it. Yeah, I know. I feel like that Ollie does that. Like mm-hmm. he just does, he gets the winning team. He's like, I can't change the winning team. Well, you can. The manager of a big club. Um, yeah, Dan James. I thought Dan James was awful, and I, like I was genuinely surprised. I don't think this was the game for him. Like it's not like Leicester are decent on the ball, but they're not Man City or Liverpool. Like they're good and they can control it, but some weeks Leicester just don't control the ball. They make a decision to not. Um, and I think 
it was kind of a bit of a, a battle between the two as to who wanted the ball more, and then Leicester were lucky actually will have it. But it just wasn't the game for Dan James, and he he just looks like compared to the rest of that front three, he just looks so poor sometimes. And it was yeah. just a horror show from him. I thought he was absolutely abysmal. <laughs> it's I think if you're Paul Pogba or Donny, and you're thinking, "Geez, Dan James is sort of playing an inside right or half winger type role," you're just thinking like. Or Mason Greenwood even. He's like, how is how does that guy play before me? Like, what is he doing that I'm not? Because, yeah, I think, like, his energy and his efforts, Dan, you can't fault it. He's always working hard. But just the quality on the ball, decision-making and positioning, it's just, I don't know. If you're Paul, Mason or Donnie, you'd be thinking, how's this guy ahead of me? But, yeah, I think. So who who's happy with the point at the end of this game, do you think? Well, no one's better off, really. I think Leicester's happier with the point, I think, because the four matches I was in and the chances missed, I think Leicester are happier with the point. I don't think either team's particularly happy with the point. Yeah, okay. No, that, that makes sense. I think, as I said, I think Leicester probably should have um, pinched it, if anything, just based on the control of the game. But, man, you had moments in where you could tell that they were much sharper. Um, but, yeah, finish two all. Um, and, yeah, so no real damage done for either team. Leicester get their first draw of the year, which is a bit uh, unusual stat. Um, and did you see Bruno's quote at the end of the game? So Bruno walked into the change rooms and he was happy to see everyone that was that, uh, everyone in the room was really pissed off because they didn't win. He thinks that that's creating a winning mentality. So, he, I mean, he's, when he first came in, he's a little bit critical of the mentality in the, in the dressing room. Um, but yeah, he seems to be seeing some stuff he likes now. Yes, yeah, he's, he's, he. I feel like he's a player that opposition teams hate, and as a fan, you love because he just does all those niggly little things that everybody hates. Like every foul, he's upset about. Like any challenge, I feel like other teams hate him, but he's slowly as the cap. Oh, he's not the captain. <laughs> Harry's the captain. Um, he's slowly turning things around. Their mentality was, but um, you know what? Unbeaten, and, unbeaten away now in fourteen Premier League games. So. Can't be unhappy with that, but big game against Wolves this week. All right. Should we head off to um, Fulham Southampton now? Yeah, bit of a snooze fest this one. Yeah, this game was a bit meh, wasn't it? Yeah, but um, I suppose the talking point in this one is Theo Walcott's disallowed goal. Are you happy with Che Adams' toe? Is that enough for you to be an offside? That's – I was yeah. It was just – I don't know, another one where you're like, technically, yes, that is offside, but – You'd rather see that given, and if we were back in a pre-VAR world, um, that wouldn't get picked up, I wouldn't think. No, and it was so tight. Like, you wouldn't lose any sleep over it. But, um, yeah, look, you take it. The other thing that stood out for me in this game was a James Ward-Prowse free kick. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can he hit a ball or what? Like, I can't tell if Ariola's got a hand to it. He's got a hand to it, yeah. Just so – he hit that so well, like. He deserved to go for that. And then um, that was probably the best chance of the game, wasn't it, where initially the, the free kick, little touch onto the post, and then Che Adams, he was, was like sprinting at it to just tap it in. But I think the spin from the ball just like spun it away from him and Che just like couldn't get a um, anything on it really, which is all he needed. But it come out like an awkward height. It was like shoulder, yeah. chest height where he can't head it, he can't volley You kind of need to be like already preparing for the diving header because it's like just yeah. above your hip. So getting to it's like nigh on impossible. Yeah. And yeah, just poor Chance. Well, he's he threatening. Yeah, but he just, I think he come in too hot. Like, you know what I mean? He just, <laughs> yeah. if he was like a little bit slower to react, he he would have had a, the chance for it to bounce and he could see where it was going and then he probably would have scored. But he just, yeah, because his reaction was so sharp, but he didn't have time to react. And um, I think, yeah, Fulham probably happier with a point. I think all they need to do really is just to keep picking up, picking up points and, and chipping away at it. Um, so, and Southampton obviously got slightly different ambitions than Fulham. So I think, yeah, Fulham probably happier with the draw. And good news for Fulham that they get a clean sheet. I think they really need that. Their back line and their confidence really needs it. Yeah, so that moves Fulham. They're still third last, two points behind Burnley and Brighton and six behind Arsenal. Um, so I don't weave that in there. But, yeah, good signs and a clean sheet always make you happy if, if you're Fulham. Um, so moving on. So Aston Villa 3, Crystal Palace nil. This game was weird. What would you make of it? I just thought Palace were poor. Like they've they've been poor for the last couple of games actually. So... Um, especially when they went, 
like was it how many weeks now they they lost like I don't know. I just think it was a poor performance from Palace coming off um, the result last week as well where they got battered by Liverpool, I think it was, yeah, yeah where so. everything Liverpool hit went in um, and Roy was left on the touchline a little bit um, confused. But, yeah, I think a great result for Villa. I thought Villa looked really good. I thought Troy did well, nice goal. Could have had another one where it clipped the post early on nice. as well. Yeah, you know, he looked good. He's, he's, he's quite an interesting-looking player, isn't he? Because he's sort of one of those... Like he's one of those guys that's really good at dribbling, but it seems like the last minute, like because he's so like long, he gets past the player without like too much effort, and you sort of think they're in it, but then he just glides past them. Yeah. And that one where he hit the post, like he just dribbles around nicely, and it was so nice, but um, a bit unlucky. Well taken goal, and then big Courtney House gets up. Big Courtney House for the second one. Second goal. Just too big, but go back just before half time, just after half time. Tyrone Minks had a complete brain explosion. So earlier, runs through. So Zaha goes through the back of John McGinn, and then Tyrone Minks comes over the top and has a bit of a go at Zaha, and then Zaha's just gone absolutely crazy at him. So I looked at that, and then that was one of the ones where there's a bit of a scuffle, and if you watch Tyrone, he just puts his hands up and doesn't do anything, and you've got Zaha sort of grabbing his arm and sort of trying to get at him a bit, and Zaha just had his hands up and did nothing. The referee come over and booked both of them, and I think he should have booked Zaha for that. I don't think he should have booked Mings for that. I just don't think Mings did anything. If you watch the little scuffle, Mings has got his hands up and people are pushing and pulling his shirt and stuff. And he gets a yellow for it. So I don't think the first one was a yellow. Do you I think the was tackle harsh. was running through the back of Zaha? Yeah, but it, he, it was just a bump. Like, like yeah. I know he's, he looked, if you go slow-mo, it looked like he sort of stepped on him, but he didn't actually get him. He just stepped through him, stepped in between his legs. I thought Zaha was like reacted a little bit over the top to it. But, yeah, I thought Mings was harsh done by on the first one. Then the second, let's go to the second yellow card, which is six minutes after that, yeah. was it? Yeah, something like that. And so Zaha turns inside and Mings just checks his run. That professional foul, that, that's yellow. But I think if you're Mings and essentially you didn't commit a, a foul on the first one, it was for a scuffle, and then the second one you're just checking someone's run, which happens all the time, um, and you see red for that, I thought, I don't know. Seems a bit harsh. Yeah, I, I I didn't see the first one. I couldn't see anything that Mings had done wrong. That was a bit frustrating because like he's a big dude and like the way he would step in front of someone is exactly like that. Like mm. make a leg in front. Once he's in front, you're not going to get it off. Yeah. Um, and Wolf just went crazy. Um, I think Wolf might have thought something was there that wasn't, and he just sort of reacted. But yeah, the second one was just so stupid. Like Wolf's are hard run that you're like you've just got to do like you just got to slow him down. Like don't try and take him on. But he was just thinking revenge straight away. Yeah, I'm gonna clip him regardless. But I don't know if you even clipped him. You just stepped in front and checked him, checked yeah. his run. Like you think you see that all the time to break. It was up kind the of play. like a shirt pull too, which is like a pretty much a yellow card. Yeah, but anyway, so Mings come off and it didn't really affect Villa at all. How do you still keep a clean sheet? What are you doing, Crystal Palace? Like you're 45 minutes to score against a team with 10 players, and you still cop 20 shots as well, six on target. Like they just weren't at the races at all. Big Court gets up and then. Elgazi with an absolute wonder strike. Oh, my God. Nice little rollback. So the critical part of that goal was the pass back to um, Ghazi isn't, put, isn't like, zipped into him. It yeah. just touched back nicely. So it's coming to him nicely on a roll. The pace of the pass is beautiful, and he just whipped it across with his right foot. Top bins, clipped the post, went in. 3-0 Villa. They look good. I, lo- I love, like, that That goal had everything Villa fans want to see. So you got... Ball Jack Grealish, Jack run at pace, slides it through. Ollie Watkins takes a ming and touch, but then the layoff back. And he, like, El Ghazi's confident in form, absolutely bangs at home. Um, great result for Villa. Um, up to fifth. And Palace just keep going down, down, down. Has that Liverpool result got to him mentally? They have to. Getting battered 7 0, and then sh- and then two, three days later, you ship another three. Ten, ten goals conceded, no goals scored in the last two games. Yeah, I think. Starting to worry for them. Do you think? Can you see them slipping down into um, into the relegation battle and, and struggling a bit? Yeah, I can. So Aston Villa have now kept eight clean sheets, and Palace are without a clean sheet in their last fourteen. And like, if you can't if you can't defend, you've got problems. And then they're not scoring either. So yeah, they could be dragged down, but hopefully Roy can sort of reassess and get them. They've got eight points on Fulham, but yeah, it's not looking good. So let's go to the probably second best match. Match of the round, probably got less than me and you as match of the round, but um, London Derby, Arsenal at home to Chelsea. 
bit of a shock result here, 3-1. Yeah, so for new football fans, this used to be a big game. Um, no, look, it, it, was, it was just shocking that Arsenal finally brought it together. Mm. Just need to stroke a luck. Six changes. Six, yeah, no Louise, no Gabrielle, and no... Ozil. Ozil. <laughs> no, no Aubameyang there, he's still injured. Ozil. Yeah, and they just, they look so coherent. Like, they, I don't know what, what went wrong or if it's whether or not Frank's just a bad manager, but they just, like, they look so, they looked more comfortable without the ball than I've seen them in some time. Like, they weren't panicky. Um, and, like, they just, they had a bit of intent. Like, that first, the first goal there where it goes at the teeny, Nice little dummy. I think it's Reese James. Yeah, Reese James. Is that foul? Oh, yeah, it's foul. Oh, I don't think he touched him. That's foul. Oh, I thought that was a little bit harsh. No, I'm with you, Arsenal fans. That's foul. Oh, but um, yeah, no Aubameyang still. So um, Lacazette stepped up, yep. took the penalty. Bang. I was a bit nervous for for him. I think like mentally it'll be tough, and he's probably got the weight of Arsenal on him at that stage. Um, but yeah, kept his nerve. Nice pen. Um, sent Mendy the wrong way, and they're 1-0 up. Ten minutes later, we get to that free kick. Yeah, so if Lacazette doesn't have the art, the weight of Arsenal fans on him, Granit Jacket does. Oh, they've got so many good angles on this free kick. I'm really, mm. I've been seeing all of them, I feel, but Mendy did not have a hope. Like, that was such a good strike from Jacket and a bit of a muted celebration. Yeah, I don't know. If you take a free kick like that, crack that into the top corner to go tunnel up at home in a London derby, um, especially after all the pressure that's been on you particularly and on the team, I don't know. I think I'd take my shirt off. You my gotta... shirt's off before the ball hits the back of the net. <laughs> like you have to, you're not going to hit a ball like that many times. No way. Jacker. Oh, you've got to enjoy that moment. And he just sort of stopped and put his hands up and then everyone jumped on him. But, yeah, a great free kick. Um, and he's got that in the locker. Yeah. It just doesn't get produced enough, I suppose. Yeah, so that's, that's good. So then... Um, moving on, so next moment we have in this game is the Saka. Cross come shot. That is not – there is no way he meant that. He doesn't even look at the goal. No. He, looks, he looks square and he's like, oh, yeah, I meant it. Yeah, no, definitely sliced across um, into the top corner um, and, yeah, over Mendy's head, clips the back post and goes in. Um, I liked the moment at the end. I think Tini's getting an interview and, um, and Saka walks past Past him, like behind him, and then um, one of the reporters yells out, "Do you mean that?" And then um, Zaka cheekily looks back and says, "Saw him off his line and kept walking." <laughs> um, and yeah, just not. a just a um, sharp response and um, little cheeky tweet later on too to say, "Saw him off his line" with a little eyes emoji. <laughs> so that those social media warriors out there, he had he had absolutely no idea. But great goal. So then. Now sort of Chelsea start fighting back. And the nerves kick in for Arsenal at this point too. You yeah. can see them like in the back of their head, that that form that they're in starts to click over and there's some nervy moments in there. Um, and then Tammy gets yeah, his goal. big Tammy gets a goal. But um, who's the man who loses his man in all this? Hector Bellerin still has to find the moment to lose his man. Clever from Tammy and I, I enjoy the fact that he chested him but then just how distraught he was at being called offside. Yeah. Like, and he was right. He was absolutely right. That was really good to see that, like, just big chest in and the offside gets over. So, go back. Great goal, Tommy. Yeah, I thought maybe, I thought Leno maybe could have done better on the cross to, to come out for that. I know it was zipped into Tammy, but uh, yeah, I feel as though he should have done slightly better because it wasn't that far out and could he have come for that and cut it off because um, essentially Tammy was like just a yard behind him and just yeah. chested in. But I would have liked to see Leno come out and try and. Try and get a hand on that. I'd like to see Hector Bellerin goal side, but I just don't think that'll happen. <laughs> keep, um, keep dreaming. Yeah. But then, so we've still got more controversy in the game. So Mason Mount gets fouled um, and Jorginho steps up. And you love his little starter step and you're like, Jorginho, 3-2, game on. So, well, that's what I'm thinking. So this is 90th minute. they got a pen. Jorginho's going to take it. And I think it's going to go 3-2. And I'm thinking this will end 3 all. Arsenal bottle this. Leno's got other ideas. And what, what a save. I thought that was such a good save. Like down low to the left with that little stutter step in there. And he managed to stay on his line until the referee was happy. Like, I think it was a great save. And if you're an Arsenal fan, like, what a Christmas gift. Mm. Beating Chelsea at home. I just want to touch on a couple of performances, but. So, Mateo Kovacic, honking. 
absolutely ineffective and gets the hook at halftime. So Frank Steeman. And the other performance who I, the other player who I thought was really, really disappointing was Timo Werner. Yeah, Werner, what, 10 games in a row now? No goal? 10 games without a goal, and he looks like he's, he just looks like Sean of confidence. Yeah, I, he's, um, he's struggling a bit, and uh, Frank took him out the side for a couple of games um, just to, yeah, get him, um, you know, change of scenery type thing, and then injected him back in the team, but he hasn't. He hasn't gone on to score any goals um, since he's been brought back in the team. No, so great result for Arsenal fans. Um, and I haven't got around to watch an Arsenal fan TV, but I promise I'll do it later. So I see the reaction. I imagine everything is good now. But that's their first win in eight. Like that's – they needed that. I think yes. they need that for his job. So they needed it. I think it helped. But at the same time, um, they need more. Like they – they need, like, going to get this result, um, I think moving forward, there's no point getting this result and then next week not turning it around doing something. Yeah. Uh, but so who got, who's your best on ground? Oh, I think Saka. He looked yeah. busy. I know his goal was lucky, um, yeah. but I think he was busy and looked good. Um, I've got a uh, – what about you? You've got an angle on this? No, I think no. I agree. I think Shaka or um, Shaka or Saka – um, but I, I, it was good to see um, Smith Rowe. I thought he was full of energy as well, and he had some good moments in possession. And then, like, if you're an Arsenal fan and you're seeing Saka on one side, it must be so pleasing to see Martin Miller on the other as well because you're like, actually, we have some decent players in this team, decent young players to work with. Um, and if you can get those, like, Martin Miller, Smith Rowe, and Saka on the pitch at the same time, it just seems so much more exciting. Yeah, so um, I just want to track down this... Um, this quote from Arteta during the week. So this is pre-game um, and he was trying to explain um, the results and what's happened to his team so far. One of the reporters asked him, so see if you can follow this along, mate, and see if you can tell me what it means after it. So last year we won against Everton with a 25% chance of winning. You win 3-2. Last weekend it was a 67% chance of winning. Any Premier League game in history and a 9% chance of losing and you lose. So yeah. quick math there, and um, that basically <laughs> explains why results are going the way they are. So I don't know what Arteta's on there. He's gotten into Opta stats a little bit too much. Yeah. Maybe just try and manage the players, maybe. <laughs> but no, he's on top of the world now. You beat Chelsea. Uh, things are good. So Arsenal now, um, this is really fun to say. Arsenal are in 15th now on 17 points, but like taking points at big clubs like Chelsea has got to be good for them. So they've, they're now four points clear of Brighton um, and heading towards mid-table. So they're not going to get relegated this year. Not going to get relegated. Um, all right, so we might go on to Man City at home um, beating Newcastle 2-0. What did you think of this game? I think for me, another sort of straightforward performance from Man City. Got the points, job, got the points, got the job done, but just don't seem to be loving their football at the moment either. No, so if you were to ask me one game where I could predict exactly what's going to happen in this one, City are going to have heaps of the ball, score early, and then they probably won't go on with it. So that they just they were fairly uninspiring. Um, Newcastle also had like zero intended possession, probably didn't even want it, relying on those counterattacks. Um, I felt like Newcastle really miss um, Sam Maximin in these types of games where he can actually add a bit of creativity and a bit of flair yeah. when they don't have the ball. but And you might keep um, Kyle Walker or um, or who was on the other side, um, Cancelo, yeah. um, accountable. Like, yep. But without him there, as you say, there's just less danger and the, the wing-backs can both um, push on. Yeah, just absolutely dominant possession. Um, good to good scores early. And for me, that's pretty much game over because I can't see Newcastle scoring yeah. once or even twice. Then um, Ferran Torres tuck ones away. He seems to score every time he plays. Yeah. I just tuck one home. But, yeah, not a great deal to talk about this one, except like, I thought Newcastle was absolutely desperate. Like, they were just so poor. They were, but Man um, City were doing that thing where they just, like, choke teams to death, like slowly just pass them to, to death. Um, so they finished the game with 75%. Possession, but there was a moment in the second half where the stats come up, flashed up on the screen, and in the second half they had eighty-eight percent of the ball. So I think if you're Newcastle, you can't even like you can't even counterattack with 
12% of the ball. I mean, by the time you take your goal kicks, um, they're down to not much possession at all. But, yeah, they're just completely outclassed. I don't think Bruce is going to define his season by um, sort of playing or picking up points against Man City, uh, especially away. Um, they looked a bit uninspired. They couldn't string a couple of passes together. As soon as Man City lost the ball, they just pressed straight away um, and, and pinched the ball back. But, again, I think, as I said, they've Man City have got the um, job done, got the points, and got out of there. But they just, yeah, they still don't look like they're loving their football. And they really, really need a striker. I think Aguero came on, but um, only just for a couple of minutes. He's still not fit yet. You've got Jesus with um, COVID. And they're trying to play like Sterling and, and Torres in those sort of fake nine yeah. positions where they're not really comfortable in those positions and, and do much better. So they really, really need to go to the market. I think if they want to win the Premier League, which they clearly do, and then do some damage in the Champions League, you can't do it without a, a striker. So I think they need to go to the market to get a striker. Um, I thought Ake played really well, um, and I was happy with um, John Stones as well. Yeah, not really trouble, but... While the crude oil price is where it is, I just don't know if City are able to compete for those top strikers just yet. So potentially, and Pep came out the other week and said um, COVID's impacted the club financially. Man City is no different. Uh, what an absolute load of crap, Pep, you're bald fraud. Stop making excuses. You've got all the money in the world. Um, yeah, but look, pretty much much of muchness there. So City now just sort of hovering in eighth with a game in hand. A win could take them up as high as fourth. But Yeah, they've go got... Again. They've got one game in hand or two games in hand, I think. One game in hand. So, um, And I think their game this morning got postponed as well. So um, I think we knew that Walker and Jesus had um, COVID. But, yeah, I think reports are out that there's it's gone through the team a little bit deeper than that. So, yeah, we're not sure on who is missing or who's caught it. But, yeah. So, Dragon, that's it. Like, I know it's, it's a bit... Um, sinister, but do you reckon that's a benefit to Man City or do you just think it'll stockpile? If they have to postpone a few games, it's going to hurt them later. Yeah, I think it hurts you later. I, yeah. There's no there's no way. I think it, what it might do for them, which might be a benefit, is just to keep it off the radar a bit. Like, I know when people are talking about um, title challenges and who's going to win what, I know there was talk about um, Spurs um, earlier. Before that, there was a little bit of um, Everton chat in there. Now, a lot of people are firmly on on Liverpool. but So, I think what it might do is keep them sort of out of the top four, but they're still in touching distance with games in hand. So, I, th- I think that's probably the benefit, if anything. Just keep it off the radar and they can fly under the radar a bit better. Yeah. All right. So, next one. Not much to say about the next one. So, Sheffield United, nil. No surprises there. Everton, one. Late goal from Guilfi Sigurdsson. Pretty uninspiring game. Yeah, pretty uninspiring game, pretty much how um, Chef United's season has gone. Again, they lose. I think they're losing games, but they never, ever get battered. They just lose it by one goal. So they're always just short of, um, of picking up some points. But they continue to have the worst Premier League season of all time. Yeah, they're now, now winless in 18. Oh, my God. And, yeah, so they're, they're down. And as I said, I think they've broken the record. It was a QPR had the worst season. Of all time, there was QPR, a... QPR, Sunderland, or Derby. I can't Derby. It was Derby. Derby. I remember Derby in the oh, mid two thousands were absolutely shit house. Um, so it could be Derby, but Sunderland were also fairly dire as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, so two points, fifteen games in. Everton, you happy with Everton? I think they're they're travelling um, rather well. Yep, do the job. One nil, happy enough. You'd prefer to be a bit more comfortable if you're Carlo, but they've also got a couple of injuries too. Not at full strength, but. Up to third, but I think, oh, I think Chris Wilder has to be sacked, doesn't he? He does. He probably needs to be sacked, but it's, as I said, I think they need to work out um, if you bring a manager in, um, can he get them out of this trouble? I think they're too deep, so you're not going to survive this season. So now the, the, the decision they really need to make is, do they want Chris Wilder to do the job in the championship? And if they do, then you obviously keep him, but they need to start working on who they want to manage next year and who they can who they think can get them up out of the championship back into the Premier League. That's the decision to make. I think if you're making a decision based on results right now, um, it's not going to be the right one because no. you, you should get rid of it. And Daniel Farker is actually flying at Norwich City right now, looking like he's going to get them promoted automatically again. Great stat for you here. So Everton won back-to-back away league games against Sheffield United for the first time since 1897. That's, that's impressive. That's, what a stat, like. Mm. Um, but, yeah, look, that's good. So Everton up to third. 
and uh, Sheffield United dead Rock last. Bottom. Nine points from safety. Well, no, no, eleven points from safety. They mm. are pretty much down, I would say. So next one, Leeds one, Burnley nil. Couple of talking points in this game. First one is the long ball for Patrick Bamford's penalty. What a ball! Great ball penalty for me. Yeah, what's Nick Pope doing? That's in the eighteen yard box. Do he's going to get chipped? I don't know. I, there's no. I think there was a bit of debate about whether it was a penalty, like whether he got a foot to it or something like that. But no, for me, that's a pen. And Bamford stepped up, took it. Nice goal. Top bins. Yeah, Leeds had a lot of chances too. They, they're just they're so good to watch. Like I love watching them going forward. They're just so slick and incisive. But um, Daishi's got a problem, and I also have a problem. Okay. Disallowed goal. We, oh. Like so, Melier comes out. What? Old chocolate wrists. Drops it down on the defender's head. So what do you think it is? There's no way that's a foul. Like I know um, keepers are protected to some extent. But, yeah, I think um, he wasn't even looking at the keeper. He was sort of backing up to go and get ahead of it and the keeper come over the top of him and dropped it. There's no way that's a foul. And then um, a great finish by who cracked it away? Wood? Tarkovsky. Oh, no, I, think it was, I thought it was Tarkovsky. Yeah. Um, but a great volley. And Daishi was livid at the end of the game and so he should be. He wasn't happy with the penalty that was given against him. He thought that um, he got a toe to that, which I probably don't agree with. But I definitely do agree with um, the... Non-foul. Ashley Barnes, that's who it was. Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes. So um, if, that's, if that's a defender and that's not the keeper, is that a free kick to the defender? Like if it's a defender going up for a header, header. like Melia is going for the catch, is that a free kick? Yeah. No, I don't think it's no given. Way. I don't think it's given in any other situation. If he's not the keeper, that's just play on. And it should have been play on even though he's a keeper. Like who, just because he's wearing gloves doesn't mean the rules are different for him. It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, one for the hipsters there, um, all those Bielsa hipster followers, um, and believe he's the the Ducks nuts. Um, yeah, nice win for Leeds, and they probably needed it on a bit of a slide. Yeah, so that, that takes up to 20 points, and now they're nine points clear of Fulham in the relegation process. Three wins for teams that don't really win. Um, that seems like a lot of points. Halfway to safety, I'd say. Yeah, I, 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 Leeds probably have too much to get dragged too tightly into that. That race, I think every now and then they can they have the ability to rip teams open. I think that that'll get them results and, and wins. Yeah, no, it's a good result. Good result for Leeds. Um, Burnley still in trouble, but getting there. I think it was definitely a better performance. But Leeds got a lot of chances. So next one, West Ham two, Brighton two. This was a game for the set pieces, wasn't it? Yeah, all the goals come from set pieces. Did they? Uh, Three. Yeah, I think they all they all might have, but. The other the Suchek's team, did. Yeah, Suchek. He can't stop scoring, can he? Dunks did. Oh, Mol, Molpe. He's got a scramble in the box yeah. there. But that was from a corner too, I suppose. Second phase of play. But yeah, two all um, at, at West Ham. Yeah, so happy enough with a point for each? Or do you think Brighton might have done enough? Oh, I think Brighton done enough. I, I, they conceded that goal from Suchek late. It was the 81st minute or something like that. So I think, yeah, if you're Brighton, I think you're a bit hard done by, I'd say. Yeah, apparently Neil Morpe is a bit of a, a colourful character, like a bit tricky to handle. But I just think he's quality. Like I think they miss him when he's not playing. I think he's slightly better than all their other players and just adds a bit of punch in the final third that they don't necessarily have from Welbeck and Trussard. Um, so I think it was good to see him. Again, Thomas Tuchek, just uh, Suchek. Suchek, yeah. can't stop scoring. And big goals. Like he doesn't yeah. score in when they're sort of, you know, 3-1 up and cruising. He, he scores big goals in big games. And, and um, yeah, without his goal, they obviously leave without anything. Is that a Falcon? Nah. Do you know much about it? Yeah, I can. Oh, I thought he got whacked in the face. He's just got that head though. It's so <laughs> It's so pointy. His it cheekbones is. are so sharp. He's a big unit. But um, so that moves West Ham to 10th. I don't know if they actually moved. Um, and Brighton on 13 points. Are they going to get dragged in? So if Fulham win and Brighton don't, Brighton are into the relegation spots, level with Burnley. Yeah, no, I think I think they're in trouble and I think they'll be dragged into it and I think they've got some work to do. I think um, sort of unlike um, Sheffield United, sort of West Brom and Burnley, I think they've got some cutting edge. I think with Welbeck and um, Malpay, as you say, um, I think they might they, – I can see goals coming out of them, whereas you can't really see – any goals coming out of like West Brom, Sheffield, Fulham, not as sharp, and Burnley as well. So I think they'll battle, but I think they'll be okay based on the quality that they've brought in. 
So he's saying there's no goals in West Brom. So we're going to move nicely on to the next one. Liverpool 1, West Bromwich Albion 1. And so, you said Big Sam was done. You hey? said after the England job, you'd never get a job in England again. One for the purists, the football <laughs> purists there, Big Sam. Um, I think the highlight for me was seeing Big Sam on the touchline wearing his um, his mask as a um, chin protector rather than a mask. So either take it off or put it on, Sam. What is, what's his half-half thing? You look hey, like you a just got to point at Airfield, first sighting since Manchester United to do so. Yeah. He can do what he wants. I saw some stat that um, he has got five points from his last couple of visits to Anfield. Um, the so-called big four, big six have only picked up four points at Anfield. So Big Sam got more points at Anfield than uh, the rest of the big six. Wouldn't surprise me. But this game was a funny old game. So the, I feel like the only thing between a draw and Liverpool actually absolutely battering them was just unusually a little bit of quality in the final third. Mm. Like Liverpool were all over them. Like there's no doubt that there was a couple of nice moments for West Brom in the second half, but Liverpool should have absolutely smacked them. Like their play was good. Everything was good from Liverpool except for that final third. Yeah, like Liverpool had 78% possession, so obviously dominated the game. They had the best chances, but um, they did start with um, Salah, Firmino and Mane up top, which is their regular three. But it's as you say, it's unusual that... Um, all three of them have a slightly quiet day or a slightly off day. Mane took his goal well. A terrible ball in from Matip at oh. that neck height, which Mane took nicely <laughs> on the half turn and volleyed in. But apart from that, um, yeah, they, they didn't really um, have any other great chances. I think some of the finishing um, left a little bit to be desired. But, yeah, as, as we said, I think it's unusual to see Salah, Firmino and Mane all have an off day. Like normally one of them, or two of them have a have a good day, and then the other one might be a little bit quiet. Um, they brought on Origi as well, um, and couldn't get much out of him. Ox came on as well, which is nice to see. But yeah, couldn't couldn't break them down. And then I think it was like getting more and more inevitable what was going to happen if they couldn't get the two goals. Um, and sure enough, Big Sam got it done. So I think what are you, what are you rating West Brom's chances of getting out of the relegation zone? So they're in nineteenth at the moment. I don't like they don't have to worry about Sheffield United. I don't think they're six points behind. So it's more if they can catch Fulham, Burnley, and Brighton. What yeah, are you I, th- I think I think I think they are a good chance. They are big Sam's always really. Good. Yeah, he's just he just finds a way. But even like against Liverpool, like they were down and out, but they they almost pitched three points. Like it was a great yeah. save from Allison. One of them with um, I think it was Grant. Like they almost pinched. Yeah, Grant. Yeah, pinched like three points there. That would have been insane. But they're just like he's just so he's such a wily old bastard. Like he just knows how to get points and how to be like resilient. And I think I think he'll go pretty close to keeping them up if he doesn't keep them up. Um, the only other thing I thought was important in that game was the injury to Joel Matip. So. He's out with a groin injury now, adding to a fairly extensive injury list, which yeah. Klopp, Klopp doesn't speak about much. Like He doesn't sort of talk about it at all. Um, but they do have some pretty bad injuries. So Re- Reese Williams will have to come in. So um, obviously you've got um, you've got Van Dyke gone for the year, Matip now gone with the groin. They played uh, Matip and uh, Fabinho on the weekend. And then when Matip got injured, um, Reese Williams come in. To the squad, yeah, the and team. Joe Gomez is out as well. But Liverpool should have pinched it late. Um, wasn't for a great save from Sam Johnston, so he's looking an absolute bargain for West Bromwich Albion. A great game against Manchester United earlier, and then excellent save late on to protect the point. But um, very disappointing for Liverpool. But they really need to sign a centre back, I think, in the window. They do, um, and there's not going to be much around. I wouldn't have thought inside the the window. So yeah, they whether they get a loan deal or something like that. Um, yeah. But they need to fill that spot. But do you feel bad for the West Brom fans to an extent? So they had when they had Pulis there, they were sort of um, mid-table and safe and they thought, you know, we can't keep playing this style of football. We want to evolve our football now that we're safe. They bring in Billich and Billich plays a sort of slightly like a rock and roll style of football and was um, like cavalier and, and went forward and scored goals. And then when they come back to the Prem, that didn't really translate that well um, to Premier League football. And, yeah, then they've sort of gone back. Now they've got 
Big Sam in, and obviously he's going to make some significant changes to the to the way they play. And so, yeah, they're obviously going to play long ball and, and not really have much of it anymore. So, do you feel? I feel as though that West Brom fans worked hard to shake Tony Pula's style of football off and try and evolve as a football team and a style of play. And then things aren't working; they've just gone straight back to a similar man. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's just such a massive jump from like mid-table team into that upper echelon. Like, you just can't you can't do it without like significant financial backing. And like managers like Sam Allardyce and Tony Paulus are sort of a little bit underrated. Like getting a team to that not going to be relegated phase is just such a big challenge. And then you try and like you're like, oh, actually, you know, we've been here for a while. We're sort of sitting ninth, tenth. We'd like to break the Europa League. We need a Marco Silva type manager, and it just doesn't work out. Like it's just such a massive jump. Mm. I just don't. I don't think it's feasible for a club for West Bromwich Albion short of a financial takeover. To, to try and be in that space. Like, you need to be happy that you're 8th and 9th and 10th and maybe try and, like, win a league cup or go deep in the cup. But it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think, like, there's a time and a place for Sam and now's the time and West Brom is definitely the place. But I think if you can get them survival, that's all they'll need from him. And, yeah, I think they'll move Sam on. I don't think they see Sam as a long-term manager at that club. I think you replaced Gareth Southgate. <laughs> no, you Rose. drank that pint of wine and um, <laughs> took the money. So, yeah. So Liverpool stay first. West Brom stay 19th, but certainly a lot more to take out of that game for them than Liverpool. So, moving on, last game. So, Wolves won, Tottenham won. Jose not happy with the boys. Jose not happy with the boys, but to be fair, this is probably the first time I am not happy with Jose's tactical approach. So, they went 1 0 up very early on. Um, Ndombele's goal, first minute, which just by the way, I thought he was unbelievable, Ndombele. Some of his yeah. runs and, and stuff like that were really good. He did get the hook. I think he ran out of energy. But sorry, going back to Jose, I think they went 1-0 up and 1-0 one nil, one nil is just not enough inside the Premier League. I think surely Jose's been around long enough to know that you can't sort of go 1-0 up and then um, just park the bus like that or just no they didn't really park the bus they just had no ambition to go and get the second goal whereas and some of the changes that he made to to his team at that point in time like he took um, Son off he took um, Ndombele off put Suzuko on and um, and took Bergwijn off or put Bergwijn on um, as well so I think I would have liked to have seen made some more aggressive changes and go after the second goal and then sure enough Wolves go and get their the equaliser yeah, so it was weird because they like Spurs had five at the back, um, with Regulon, Davies, Dyer, Sanchez, Doherty, and uh, yeah, they they were a little bit sort of circumspect. I couldn't determine if that Ndombele strike got deflected or if Rube Trichet just got it all wrong either. No, I think it, I think he got it wrong because yeah. yeah, I don't think it was the deflected goal. But yeah. Ndombele looked very powerful, but I thought Wolves created the better chances and looked like they definitely were the more um, more. Uh, like offensive side, they were pushing and they've got some nice little players and they're like, obviously Adama's a powerhouse, but Daniel Potence and Pedro Neto, like I think out of the top six are two of the better players, plus Ruben Neves had a couple of goes from range too, but I thought they were just much more creative and they looked way more threatening. Yeah, they got their goal and they could have gone on and won it. I think Silva had some good chances, um, especially late. He had a, had a header that just drifted oh. over Dyer as well. He should have, probably should have scored should have that. Seen. But um, Wolves really need to go to the market for a striker. I think we mentioned that at, at Man City. Um, and, yeah, I think Wolves definitely need to go to the market and pick up a striker. I think if they had a striker um, that was a little bit sharper than Silva, they would have they would have won that game 3-1. Yeah. Did you see uh, Matty Doherty's uh, embrace with Nuno at the end of the game? No, I didn't see that. Nuno's what? just Nuno's just a bloke you just can't help but like. It's just yeah. such a warm embrace for... Former Wolves boy Doherty, but um, point for both sides. Jose not happy. Nuno pretty happy with the point, you think? Yeah, I think Nuno would be sort of where how they started. I think he would have taken a point at that. At that, but then how the game panned out, I think he probably felt as though they should probably should have gone and win it. So I don't think either man is happy with the point, which probably means that a draw is the the right result. So a lot of draws this week in the prem. So a horrible week for for tipping. But I think yeah. Um, a good chance once Liverpool drew for um, Spurs to sort of make up some points, especially with the Chelsea result as well, to just get in there and, and the Leicester and Man U result. 
good chance for Jose to pick up some points and close the gap a little bit. But yeah, he missed his chance and it remained 1-1. One thing I did enjoy was that um, Nuno coming up against Jose and Nuno was playing in Jose's team when he won the Champions League. He was a reserve keeper, wasn't he? Mm. Vitor Bayer. Yeah. yeah, he was too. So that's nice, isn't it? That so, is nice. Yeah. To, and Jose has a former goalkeeper himself, I think. But um, if you're Porto, Benfica and Sporting Lisbon, you're nervous about your strikers if all's going in in January. <laughs> yeah. Who do, you, who do you like? Who do you think they should pick up? Have they got anyone in particular? Or? No, I don't, I don't know right now. Um, Bastos would be an interesting signing. But no, I don't know. I, I imagine it's going to be someone from an obscure Portuguese league. Maybe yeah, Felix from Atletico. Oh, I can't fault him. No, I don't think they can either. But I think Andre Silva um, might be an interesting one. But we'll see what happens. Guaranteed there is a 95% chance it'll be Portuguese if not playing in the Portuguese league. For sure. So that's it. That's the review done. So big couple of days. So we're going to roll straight into a bit of live action. Mm. So Crystal Palace won all with Leicester City. Haven't had a chance to look at that one yet. But um, I know Inacho's missed a penalty, and I know you like Inacho. Oh. And then Chelsea, Aston Villa, so there'll be some VAR controversy there and a one-all draw. So um, uh, one of the big clubs dropping points, but Chelsea will be happy to pick one up. Um, and then Everton, Man City called off due to COVID-19. Gamesmanship yeah. from Pep. Yeah, we think that um, there's probably more cases in Man City squad other than Jesus and um, Walker, which is what we do know about. So who knows how else that went. But, like, their game postponed, and I don't think that's going to be the last time we see a game postponed due to COVID. So was it the Newcastle game got postponed earlier? Palace. Palace, and then, yeah, now this one with Man City. But, yeah, I think we'll continue to see that um, being postponed. Yeah, so Man City are actually supposed to play Chelsea on the 4th. Of January and then Manchester United on the seventh. So potentially Pep's just giving the boys a rest um, before a couple of big games, but also they might have a COVID problem. Mm. But next one up, so Brighton Arsenal. So tomorrow five a.m. Who do you like this one? Is this is this a relegation scrap? It's not a relegation scrap. I don't think. I don't like as I said. I don't think Arsenal are going to have too much trouble. And I think the. In terms of Brighton going down, they're just worst teams in the league. So I think that it should be all right. And they've got some. Cutting edge, as I mentioned, but I mentioned earlier that a great win by Arsenal to beat Chelsea, but there's no point going to beat Chelsea if then you don't follow it up and beat a team like Brighton the the next game. I was going to say next week, but it's been like two days. So, uh, no um, yeah, so I think they will go on and do it. I think Arteta will get his um, Optus stats out and I think they will get it done. And I think at that point you can see the ship turning. A good win, and then it, then they'll win a game that they should win. Um, so things could be looking up for Arsenal fans in a short amount of time. What do you think? So I I am not hoping, but I'd imagine Arsenal should be able to carry that confidence through. Brighton are a team again. I just cannot understand. They play good football, but it just doesn't happen for them. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Arteta lines the boys up. Obviously, that Saka, Martinelli, Smith Rowe front three or midfield trio, I really like. But Brighton actually won home and away against Arsenal last season. They've never won three in a row against the Gunners. There you go. And um, Danny Welbeck playing against his old club, which would be nice. Um, and I think we're going to, inside the pod, we're calling this the Harper Derby. Harper Derby. Oh, God. Um, all right, so next one is Southampton versus West Ham. I really like the look at this game. What do you think? I like the look at this game, and I think Southampton are going to bounce back, and they are going to convert their draw from last week into a win. I think they'll beat West Ham 9th versus 10th. Um, so, yeah, some consequences for this fixture, I think. Uh, West Ham have a pretty good record against Southampton. So Southampton have lost their last two Premier League home games against West Ham. So it's the team of Giants, or that I perceive as Giants, being West Ham versus the team with the best, best set piece in the league, Southampton. A nice little contrast there. I guarantee there will be a headed goal in this game. Yeah, that's a safe bet. Um, and are we going to see Mikel Antonio back for West Ham? <sighs> I don't know. You just you can't rely on him. Top, I, he's so good. I said many, many pods ago that he's too big and he's going to get injuries because of the size of him. And sure enough, here he is. <sighs> I don't know. If he, if he plays, I'm tipping West Ham. I've done this before and it's like my safety bet with them. But if he plays, I think West Ham win. If he doesn't play... Southampton win, Ward Prowse probably scores a free kick. 
Suchek header in this game too is a safe bet. Oh, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? You yeah. would have to think so. So, I'm, yeah, I'm caveating it there. So, West Ham to win if Antonio plays. Southampton to win if he doesn't. I've got Southampton to win either way. And then Andy Carroll wraps up his loan to West Bromwich Albion slightly after. Um, so, next one is West Brom versus Leeds. So, two footballing philosophers, Marco Bielsa versus Sam Allardyce. Who do you like in this one? I think I like Leeds, and I think it's going to be, as you say, their style. So if you're Leeds, the perfect team to play would be someone with low ambition who's going to sit in because you can play your style, your rock and roll style. Um, and what what happens to Leeds is when they get undone, it's because they push and commit too many forward and then um, they leave sort of big gaps, not really to get caught on the break, but just to lose the ball in a bad area and then go and get punished. Whereas I don't think West Brom are going to step up to them at all. So Leeds can push forward and do that safely. So I think this is actually a really good matchup for Leeds. And based on how they play versus what West Brom will do with Big Sam in charge, um, I think Leeds will do a number on them here. Really? I'm mm. actually going to go the other way. I really? Think, I think Big Sam's going to mirror what he did against Liverpool. It's going to be happy to know the ball. He'll play that 6-4 with the no striker yeah. and he'll hit him on the break. Because I think what will happen is is Leeds will do that. They'll keep going forward. They'll keep edging forward, keep edging forward, and they'll get hit on the break. I reckon West Brom are going to pinch this one. I don't see. Yeah, I think I think Leeds will just crack straight through them. I think they'll be too cavalier. Um, and I don't, I don't see West Brom hurting them the other way, um, as I said, based on their ambition. Because the way to get Leeds is to – pinch the ball in an area where they're exposed, like when their wing backs are wide and pushed up. Yeah. Um, and then and so same Big with their wide players. The yeah, that's yeah. that's where you pinch the ball. But I don't think West Brom are going to be high enough to do that. Like they're going to win the ball back inside the final third mm. um, of when leads are pushing forward. So I think from there there's just too there's too much distance to to punch through and hurt them. So there you go. It, it should be an intriguing battle. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. It's and an intriguing it, battle. It will, I think Mark Aviosa might get a welcome to the Premier League and learn a thing or two from the big dog. So, so I think if there's low goals in this game, you'd probably lean towards West Brom. But if, if someone told me there's five goals in this game, I think their leads are going to do a number. Yeah. So the next one. So this is a massive game and one that I don't know if I can bring myself to watch. Burnley versus Sheffield United. Is this the game that gets Chris Wilder sacked? No. As I said, I think <sighs> they're making a decision on who they want to manage them in the championship next year. So I thought, if you're going to miss a game and one you're not even going to watch highlights of, this is probably the one because you're not going to miss too many goals in this. I think um, Sheffield United, not many goals and Burnley. Double donuts? Oh, yeah, that's a safe bet, I think. wonder what the draw, nil or draws paying. The only the, – oh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be good, too. It's going to be an aerial battle. So if you want it is. that pure football, um, yeah. Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood forward line, yeah. uh, this will be the one to watch. The only thing that's steering me away from a nil-all draw is that it, either team might see this as a chance to go and win it. So, like, normally if Burnley, yeah, if they're playing someone like, you know, West Ham, Southampton, Menu, whoever, same with Sheffield United, they might sort of shut up shop and, as you say, play on the break a little bit better and just try and keep a clean sheet or something like that. But I think now they might look at each other and go, this is our chance to go and get three points. If there's ever a chance we're going to play on the front foot, this is it. So that's the only thing that might steer me away from a, a nil or draw. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot going on in this game. Um, if Burnley win, I think Sheffield United are pretty much relegated. Yeah, I think big, big consequences for Burnley on this fixture but I think less so for Sheffield United. Like I think a win doesn't do a lot for Sheffield United, really, um, but that would really hurt Burnley and drag them in, whereas I think if Burnley win, that could yeah really separate them from... Really shot in the arm. Yeah. So, look, next one is I think it's the match of the round, and the rounds are coming thick and fast, but the thing about this fixture that stands out for me is this potentially will be the only game in the league where Wolves don't have the best Portuguese player on the pitch. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I think you're probably going to lead towards Man United based on I think they're just going to do what they've done to a lot of teams where I think Wolves might have sort of control of the game and, and look a bit more structured and potentially look as a team look a bit more dangerous. But I think Man you've got the players where, um, you know, you might just get you might just get um, Bruno just to switch on for five or ten minutes and, and slip a pass in for, for Rashford or Martial or Greenwood or something like that to, to finish. And I think, man, you're going to get the points there at home. I'd like to see a couple of changes in Ollie's team from who he picked 
um, on, I was going to say the weekend again, but yeah, two days ago. So I think um, Dan James definitely comes out of the team. I think you might see Paul starting this game. Yeah, I think you might see. I was thinking you might see Paul, you might see Donny, you, I think you will see Tellers. Um, and I reckon Edison Cavani's done enough to get a start as well. But I have three words which every Manchester United fan fears. Bruno looks tired. Yeah, there was a, a chance. He gave away the, the ball for um, Bar- Harvey Barnes' Harvey goal. goal. Yeah. Crazy. Just and amazing. yeah, and he looked tight. And, and there was a challenge at the top of the box late on in that game as well from uh, that gave Leicester a free kick in their final third, where again he looked tired and sort of lunged forward. So yeah, I think I think Manu will have enough to get it done. But he does look tired. But I tell you, he doesn't look tired. Harry Maguire, considering how many minutes he's played. Well, I thought he was good on the weekend against Leicester, like without without doing a great deal. Like he just keeps turning up, doing roles. Like I just think people. Because of the price tag, you're expecting something extraordinary from him. But like he's just a workman like defender. That's just and he has and like his mistakes are magnified against the mistake of every other centre back because of the price tag. And, and he the, just keeps turning up. Yeah, so the the profile of the club and the price tag, um, yeah, it doesn't do him any favours. But I think all, all his mistakes um, seem to be howlers. Like he'll yeah. either, do you know what I mean? It's not as if like, oh, he's just like lost track of a man or something like that. It's like an actual, like he's been tied up in knots or like it's an own goal or something horrific like that. So, yeah, but um, the, read the stat during the week that he's played more minutes than any other footballer um, in the Premier League this year. Yeah, and so Victor Lindelof is out for Manchester United with a back injury, but Aaron Wan-Bissaka should come in. Um, he had a knock, and Marcus Rashford's got a bit of a shoulder knock, so he might be out. If he's out, that's a big, big out, but um, I think he should be on. Yeah, Lindelof's been battling with that back injury for a while, hasn't he? It flares up every now and then. Yeah, sell him. Um, all right, so next one, Tottenham versus Fulham. The Martignol derby for some of our older listeners. Um, who do you like in this one, and why are Fulham going to pinch the points on the road? I don't think they are. I think um, Jose will set things right. He wasn't happy with the draw on the weekend, and I think, yeah, he'll, he'll get it done here. I think this is one that will be too much for uh, Fulham. I just think they'll be outclassed. I would like to see um, Bale in this fixture, at least coming off the bench, but who knows. Um, what do you think? Do you think Fulham are any chance here? I actually haven't, I haven't minded Fulham's last few games. They look, um, I think it's, I can't think of his name, um, but like Loftus-Cheek, Adela Lookman and I think it's Despota Reed or whatever his name is up top for Fulham. Just give him a bit more up top. Takes pressure off the back four because I don't have a lot of faith in that defence. Um, but they've actually been a lot better in the last couple of weeks. And Tottenham, they're in a bit of a slump, a bit of a slide. Yeah. And Jose's starting to finger his players a little bit in public, which is not usually a good sign for Jose. No wins in the last four games um, for Spurs. So, yeah, as you say, their form is sliding. And Fulham have drawn four of the last five games. Yeah, they've, so, they've been honestly they've been much better. And the other good thing about that is they've had two clean sheets in there. And the games in those in those last five games, they've drawn with Liverpool and only lost to Man City two 0 So there's like a lot of positives in there for them. Yeah, I think the the clean sheets are probably the biggest thing for them. They looked very leaky early on and just a bit brittle. But yeah, they seem to have shored that up a little bit. Um, and yeah, cut back on the amount of goals they can see. Scotty Parker, I don't think we'll be on the touchline for this. Um, he has to self-isolate for 14 days after a COVID, positive COVID test. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they deal with that as well. Yeah, um, but I, I, def- I definitely think that having these better players in attack has helped Fulham's defence just take the pressure off a little bit. So I actually think this might be a surprise. 23 goals against the fourth most in the Prem. Yeah, that's what, that was before this last That's game. old Fulham, not new Fulham. No, not new Fulham, not new Fulham. And old Tottenham are coming back because Jose is getting into his ways. I actually think this will be a nil-all draw. There you go, okay. So five draws in a row for um, Fulham, which is um, survival form. It is survival form. Um, so last fixture is Newcastle versus Liverpool. Uh I think this one's going to be a pretty heavy defeat to Newcastle. Newcastle is shot. <laughs> I think that's that's a safe bet. I think without Maxima, um, I think Liverpool, you know, they've got to set things right after um, a disappointing draw um, a couple of games ago. So a couple of days ago, sorry. So I think, yeah, Liverpool will do a number on Newcastle. I think that's probably the safest bet. And are we calling this the Andy Carroll derby, yes or no? 
Yeah, I, if you're a new Liverpool fan, you don't know about the Andy Carroll saga. Do yourself a favour. Um, it's like imagine, yeah, right? imagine selling Torres and then thinking, <laughs> oh, I've got a hit ton of cash, and then spending it on Andy Carroll, which didn't really pan out. So apparently the rumour was that, and this is not relevant to the game, but the rumour was whatever they got for Torres, they were going to sell, sign Cal for $15 million less, regardless of what they sold Torres for. Mm. That's the rumour. But, yeah, I think they'll have way too much. And the worst thing for Newcastle is um, I feel like when Liverpool tend to have a bad result, the next team really cops it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Newcastle are going to absolutely cop it here. And if you think their 24% possession was bad the other day, I reckon you could be looking at sub-20s here because they are not anywhere near Liverpool's level. Tough run for Newcastle. So they've just played Man City and got choked to death, as we said, passed to death. Now they play Liverpool and it will be an angry Liverpool after not winning a couple of days ago. And then they're off to Leicester. So tough run for Brucey. Yeah, they'll need to get through. But they're really on the table now. They're doing... Okay, so they're not quite in the relegation scrap, but I don't think they'll pick up many points in the next few games. 14th, yeah, and, and on a tough run. Liverpool, as you said, next, and then off to Leicester. All right, so that's it for the it. for the preview. Um, so no Rogers multi this week. He's on leave. He's, he's on leave, yeah. Break. He said he's um he's got some stuff to do over Christmas, apparently. So. Not too much putting again. Oh, well, look look after yourself, mate, and check your blood sugar regularly. But if you want to get in touch with the show, email uh, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook Football Played on Paper, Insta at Football on Paper, Twitter at Football on Pods, and go online. Just if you do one Christmas miracle, go online and give us a five-star rating. Um, it's very important. Cheers, guys. See you. Enjoy the football. Bye-bye.